Good morning, everybody. We are so happy that you came out to our Family and Friends Day. We appreciate your presence. This day would not be possible without you being here. And I want all of the Deliverance Temple people to stand, and we're going to give them a hearty welcome. Just repeat after me. Friends and family, Friends and family. We, welcome we welcome you. Amen. Hallelujah. And we pray that you felt welcome when you entered the door. Amen. At this time, I'm going to uh, uh, bring up my, my goddaughter and my, her musician to come. They were going to sing during the offering, but we might as well just let them do a couple songs and just bless us. Then after that, I'm going to go right into uh, the word of God. Praise the Lord, everybody. Good to be in the house of the Lord.
Hallelujah. That is who you are. I don't know about you, but God done made some ways for me. Hallelujah. God done done some stuff for me. And even when it didn't look like it, it didn't seem like it, it didn't feel like it, he was yet making a way for me and yet making a way for you. Hallelujah, because he's a way maker. He's a miracle worker. He's a promise keeper. Online, he's a promise keeper. Hallelujah. He's a promise keeper. He's a promise keeper. He's a promise keeper. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, he's a promise keeper. Hallelujah. That is, that is who you are. Glory to God. That's who you are. That is who you are. You know, I can, I can say it this way. If he wasn't those things, I still wouldn't be here. Because I've been in church all my life. And when you've been in church all your life, the first thing you'd really do is question, is all this junk really real? I don't know if y'all have ever been there and be like, I, I don't know if all this stuff is real. Because there were some times in my life it didn't look like the promise was being kept. But David said, I once was young. Now I'm old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken. <laughs> if you stay in this thing long enough, you'll find out he's a way maker. He's a promise keeper. He's a miracle worker. He's light in the darkness. If you stay in it long enough, you find out he's Jehovah Jireh. If you stay in it long enough, you find out he's the wheel in the middle of the wheel. If you stay in it long enough. But, I, uh, but I'm not here to convince you. Maybe you believe it for yourself. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Can we just, uh, in a way of uh, thanks, can we just put our hands together for Sister Jossie and Brother Bobby? Amen. Beautiful. Beautiful atmosphere being set this morning. And I thank God for you. You maybe just tap your own self on the back end. We thankful for you. Glory to God. We, we're not going to waste too much time. We're going to get into the word. I'll, I'll, I'll bow my head and do a, another brief prayer. Dear, dear gracious Heavenly Father, God, thank you for you being you in our lives. God, I pray that in this preaching moment, in this preaching atmosphere, God, that you would speak through my mouth, think through my mind, God. Let it be all of you. Let it be less of me. Let the people be eternally touched and blessed. 
and we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. With your Bibles in your hands, to all our visitors and new people, this is something we do all the time. We confess a lot. I don't like to be the only voice heard in the building, so we do a lot of things where they repeat and speak after me. And so we normally do this. We grab our Bibles in our hands, and I spoke on this last week. One of our beautiful, beautiful members who happens to be momentarily behind bars. We got a lot of beautiful members that are momentarily behind bars. Now, I know the judge felt like they're going to be there a long time, but we believe it's momentarily, temporarily. But one of our beautiful members sent three Bibles, three beautiful Bibles, one for me, one for my mother, one for my wife. And so as we do our, this is my Bible, I have a Bible to grab. So let's do this. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple. Where we love by living our vision every day. And to our new people, this is how we live our vision. It's up on these posts, and so I'll point to them. We connect with our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Father God, feed me this word. Come on, make some noise as if you're going to be fed this morning. Amen. Amen. And to all my Deliverance Temple people, I'm thanking all the visitors and all the other people. But thank you, DT, for just you being you. Amen. You make a difference. So I, I want to start today's sermon off by quoting from a song. And as I quote from the song, then I'm going to go right into uh, the sermon title. So I'm going to have them just put the first phrase of the song. And many of you, if you grew up in the 90s, and let me say 90s got the best music, not just gospel music, the best music, period. That's because that's, that's my era. But this was a 90s gospel song that was famous by Kirk Franklin. And it says this, I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow. That's the reason why I sing. Let me, let, let me put another, another phrase of the song. Glory, hallelujah. You're the reason why I sing. Glory, hallelujah. You're the reason why I sing. So today's sermon is piggybacking off of that a little bit, but shifting it. And it simply is this. The reasons why I sing. The reasons why I sing. There are um, the reasons. Kirk Franklin said reason, but I'm going to show you through scripture that there are reasons, multiple reasons. When I say I, I mean us, but the reasons why we do what we do. I want to show you why we do what we do, why we sing the way we sing, why we act the way we act. Why, why were folk acting all crazy when she was up there singing? There, there, there's something going on on the inside of us. It, it, it's not normal. It's 
not natural, it's supernatural, but it's real. If I was in the old church, I would say real, real. Jesus is real to me. So many people doubt him, but I can't live without him. That is why I love him so, because he's so real to me. Somewhere in your life, it has to become personal to you. You have to know God for yourself. So I want to talk about the reasons why I sing and the reasons why you sing, but using the scripture. So we're going to use Psalms 95 and 96. The reason why I chose that is because our church today says made to worship. And it's Psalms 95.1. And my wife, she was the one who designed the shirts. And so let's give some kudos to Lady Devon. So, so I told her, I'm not sure what I'm going to talk about for family and friends today. I may just preach on Psalms 95. She said, you mean I got to design the shirts and, uh, and to provide the sermon? I got to do it all? Well, baby, yes, you do. But as I begin to look at Psalms 95 and as I begin to study it, I begin to think about the reasons why I sing and the reasons why you sing. So let's start with the very first word, uh, very first verse. And my mother normally reads for us, so we'll let her do that. But I, I've got some things that are outside of 95 and 96. They'll be in white, and I'm going to read those myself, and you'll read the normal ones. And so let's start with Psalms 95 and 1. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Come, let us sing to the Lord. So it's scriptural for us to sing to the Lord and shout joyfully. It's, it's okay to have quiet church. It's okay to have cute church. But it's okay to have joyful church. It's okay to have shouting church. It's okay to have loud church. It's okay to have radical church. And it's okay to have soft church. You can have church however you want to, but in this scripture it says, let us sing. And since it says we're made to worship, we're made to sing and shout and praise because God's been good to us. Let's look at the next verse, verse 2. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms and praise to him. We're going to sing psalms of praise to him. Let's look at verse 3. For the Lord is a great God. For the Lord is halfway decent. A great God. The Lord is an every now and then God. A great God. The Lord is a what? A great God. Okay, read. A great king above all gods. Now, it doesn't say that there are no other gods. A lot of Christians be like, there's no other God but God. That ain't what the Bible says. The Bible just says he's the king of all the gods. So he's top dog. Now, you can worship whatever God you want to worship. I'm not mad at you, but I like to go to the top. I like to go to the top dog. See, see if I can have a relationship with somebody that works at Microsoft, or a relationship with Bill Gates, I'm going to choose Bill Gates because he controls Microsoft. So since he says he's the king of all gods and he's great, I want to praise him in a great way. Great is the Lord. 
and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness. So I act the way I act because God's so bad. I act the way I act because God's so good at what he does. He's good at being who he is. He's a way maker, a miracle worker, a promise keeper. So, so that's going to lead me to my very first point. Point number one. The reasons why I sing is because of the greatness of God. Not the marginalness of God. Not the smallness of God. But the greatness of God. The majesty of God. The power of God. The greatness of God. He's great. Now, now we, normally when we talk about his greatness, we want to talk about the moon, the stars, and all those things, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the reason why he's so great to me, because there's days I just ain't that good. There's days that I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. And there's days I don't feel all that saved and sanctified. But he still put breath in my body. So he's great because he's so merciful. The Bible says great is his faithfulness. His mercies are new every morning. You can't out his love. You can't out his greatness. You, you can't out his mercy. So the reason why I sing the way I sing is because he's been so good to me behind closed doors. See, y'all see the stuff in front. Sister Teresa, the stuff in front. You, you, you may see my car, my wife, my job. You may see the church and say God's been good to him. But there's some stuff you don't know about me. There's some stuff that don't nobody know but God and he still anoints me. And he still wakes me up. And he's still good to me. He's great because he's so merciful. Let's continue to read. Verse 4. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. Okay. Let's look at verse 5. The sea belongs to him, for he made it. His hands formed the dry land too. Talking about his creative work. So let's put up point number two. So number one is the greatness of God. Number two are the hands of God. Have you ever heard anybody tell you down through your life that God's hand is on your life. It's not just he made the sun and the moon and the stars and the sea and the land. It's the fact that he put his hand on you and put his hand on me. His greatness is, is he's great in all kinds of aspects, but the reason why I sing is he's been great to me. And the reason why I sing is because his hand has been on me and on you. And you, you have to understand, you got to learn how to be able to be every now and then selfish in this thing and say, God, I'm grateful for what you've done for me. I, I, I know some other people died, but I'm still here. Thank you, God. Other people got lost in their addiction, but I'm still here. Thank you, God. It wasn't that I was so good. It was your hand was so great. His hand is so big. His hand is so mighty. Let me give you just one example of me. I was driving. Me and my wife were driving. We were 
on our way to Bloomington, Indiana, and it was close to the Christmas season, and we, we had somebody that they, they needed to go down there, and so we decided we would drive them and bring them back, and there was a, a, a truck in front of me, and the truck in front of me was carrying Christmas trees, and somehow, all of a sudden, the, the gate snapped, and the trees, the logs, began to come off of the truck. While I was driving, going 65, 70 miles an hour. I can't remember how fast I was going. And if anybody ever seen the, the uh, movie Final Destination, it was one of those things. I, it didn't look like I was going to make it. But somehow my car moved around the logs and moved back over and nothing ever touched me. It wasn't my good driving. It was the hands of God. Now... I may have assumed it was my quick thinking, but the more I think about it, it had to be the hand of God. I got to give you another example. This happened a lot more recent. I was driving on my way to work, and I got so scared because I seen a deer on my left side. I seen it out of the window, my, my driver's side window. I was looking at the deer, and the deer was looking at me. And I, 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 I screamed like a little girl. I ain't never screamed like that in my life. I screamed because I wasn't expecting to look to the left of me and see no deer with antlers looking at me. I screamed and I braced myself and I hit the brakes and I opened my eyes and the deer was over there. I don't know how the deer got from there to over there. I don't know if it jumped. I don't know what happened. But what I do know, it was the hand of God. Now, I have the microphone, but many of y'all have a hand of God experience. If it wasn't for the hand of the Lord, if it wasn't for God doing something, I couldn't have done it. It wasn't me. It wasn't my driving. It wasn't my intellect. It wasn't my money. It wasn't my resources. But it had to be God. It had to be the hand of God. Now, I tell this all the time, so we're going to switch just, just for a second. Because in honor of, of the GOAT, Serena Williams, who just retired, in honor of her, I say this all the time, but I'll use it again. If you put a tennis racket in my hands, it's just a tennis racket. You put the same tennis racket in Serena's hands, it's a million-dollar making tennis racket. It's nothing about the racket. It's about whose hands are on it. So if you put your life in the right hands, it's not the racket, it's the hands. And so now that my life is in his hands, I can sing not because of what I've done, but because of whose hands are on me. If God has ever put his hands on you, you ought to give God a praise just right now. I'm grateful for the hand of the Lord. My God. My mind should have been crazy, but the hand of the Lord. I should still be addicted, but the hand of the Lord. I should still be depressed, but the hand of the Lord. I should be crying myself to sleep, but the hand of the Lord. I should be dead and gone, but the hand of the Lord. Let's, let, let, let's go to some other scriptures. I want to go outside of Psalms 95 and 96, and I'll read these. Let's, let's put these verses up. Psalm 63, 8. So I'm going to turn a corner on these verses. It's very powerful. Number one, Psalm 63, 8. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. 
I didn't mean to get on this, but let me just jump on this for a second. All you single folk. Oh, you just, you, it, we, 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 getting, we getting into cuddle season and cuffing season. And you want somebody to cuddle you and cuff you, but you might mess around and cuddle and cuff with the wrong one. So I'm here to let you know, even though you're single, if you got God's hands on you. Oh, he, he can make you feel better. I know we all need a real person. I'm not trying to be super deep and say you don't need somebody every now and then. But you would, you're much better with the hand of God than getting the wrong person. So if you got to wait through another winter season with, with nobody, just know God, God's hands will be on you. God's hands will rock you to sleep. God's hands will take care of you. All you got to do is trust the hand of the Lord. Let's, let's continue to read. I, I, I want to put up something else. Isaiah 49, 13. It says, sing for joy. Back to that singing. O heavens, rejoice, O earth. Burst into song, O mountains. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on them in their suffering. Another thing I love about the hand of the Lord, it doesn't remove when we get into suffering. Uh, a, a lot of people and a lot of preachers will act like it's all easy street. It's all prosperity. I looked at my hands and my hands look new. I looked at my feet and they did too. Well, that's a lie. I got the same raggedy hands, the same ashy feet. I still got the same trouble I'm dealing with. But God knows how to cover me in my suffering. When life is hard, God is still God. When life is trying, God is still God. In a recession, God is still God. In a pandemic, God is still God. His hand is not so short that it cannot save. So here in Deliverance Temple, we talk about the fact that everything does not have to be easy for us to serve God. We've been through hell and high water and some more hell. Ever since this decade hit, we've been through some junk, but we're still here because of the hand of the Lord will comfort you when you're suffering. Let's read even further because I want to turn a corner on us through the word of God. Let's look at verse 14. Yet Jerusalem says, the Lord has deserted us. The Lord has forgotten us. So you can get into some seasons in your life, uh, saints and audience, where you can feel like the Lord has forgotten about you because your circumstances and your situations are so difficult, it makes you want to believe God has forgotten about you. Let's look at verse 15. This is God's response. Never can a mother forget her nursing child. Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. I got to stop just for a second because somebody walked in these doors just because someone they love invited them. But in your heart of her hearts, you believe God has forgotten about you. But God sent you here for me to tell you he has not forgotten about you. His hand can still save. His hand can still touch. His hand can still bless. Whatever you're going through, it's not a loss. It's a lesson. So learn the lesson because God has not forgotten you. Somebody say that. Say, God, God has not forgotten me. 
you don't have to repeat this, but the reason why I sing, one of the reasons why I sing is God has not forgotten me. Many people will forget you. Many people will walk out on your life online audience, but God cannot, will not forget his people. All right, let's, let's go. This is the one I really wanted to get to. This is the, the, the corner I want to turn because we got a lot of deep religious people. But look at what Isaiah 49, 16 says. See, I have written your name on the palms of my hands. Always in my mind is a picture of Jerusalem's walls in ruins. In other words, I got you tattooed on me. So for all y'all folk who are too deep to get a tattoo, God says, I done wrote your names on my palm. But not only that, he says, I always remember your walls and ruins, which means Jerusalem was in a time where they were exiled because of their sin. And because of what the enemy done, because of the exile, their walls were broken down. In other words, they, the reason why their walls were in ruin because the mistakes that they made. But what God says, I wrote your name on the palms of my hand. And I even remember the state you're in, even though you're the one who got in the state. But I love you so much. I'm looking at you every day you're on the palm of my hand. And I'm making a way to rescue you because I love you too much to leave you like you are. But you may say, but Brother Andre, I'm the one who got in the situation. I'm the one who did it. But you don't understand that God knows how to reach beyond your mistake. He knows how to reach beyond your mess and grab you and pull you and turn you around. Because I know that God is a miracle worker, how do I know the greatest miracle is what he does every day when he touches each and every one of us? For me, Brother Larry, for me, when I was told I was going to preach God's word, I was coming down from a tequila binge hangover. What do you mean, Pastor Andre, tequila binge hangover? Well, here's the thing. I was in college, and I was a church boy, and I was trying to do what everybody else was doing, but I didn't know what I was doing. So I was mixing stuff that shouldn't have been mixed. You know, they tell you, you you shouldn't mix brown liquor with this kind of liquor. I was just drinking everything, trying to keep up with everybody. And one day, I, th this didn't happen all uh, uh, in one setting. I mean, this happened over a course of some months where I just got kind of wild. And I remember one day the guy uh, says, hey, uh, Andre, your shoes were under the stall. Those weren't my shoes. That was me. I was laying with my face on the stall, puking my guts out. I was just trying to keep up with everybody else. I didn't want to be left out. I didn't want to be the church boy in college. I was tired of God. It didn't make sense to me. So I was doing my own thing. But one day with my head spinning, I heard these words, you're going to preach my word. I'm like, I know I'm drunk. I'm good and drunk. This, this can't be God. But fast forward several years later, God was showing me my hand is stronger than your mistakes. My hand is stronger than your hangups. My hand is stronger than your mess ups. And when I get good and ready, I can snatch anybody from the jaws of death, from the jaws of addiction, from the jaws of trouble, because I'm God. I'm God all by myself. I do what I want, when I want, how I want. And the reason why I sing is because he's so great, but his hand is so strong. Let's, let's continue. Let's go back to Psalms 95. Come, let us worship and bow down. Uh-huh. 
let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are the people he watches over, the flock under his care. The flock under his care. Let's put up point number three. So number one is the greatness of God. Number two is the hand of God. And number three is the care of God. So God, the reason why I sing is because he's so great to me. His hand is so strong to me, but his care is so good. Now, my wife runs a daycare, and she's excellent at what she does. But I, even though I love my, my wife and she does excellent, I got to talk about my mama for a second. My mama, when we was growing up, at some time, she just let anybody babysit us. I mean, not anybody, anybody. But she wasn't as stern as we are today because people are crazier today than they were back then. But there were some crazy folk back then. And so in the process, I had some good babysitters and I had some not so good babysitters. I learned the difference between good care and bad care. Let me give you an example of good care. One of my good caregivers is here, Sister Ruby. Sister Ruby, you would wake up. I love French toast. You would wake up to the smell of French toast just, just filling the air. And as many slices as you want, you can have. Sister Ruby was a good caretaker. But there was one lady who shall remain nameless. We, we don't lie. She would remain nameless. But she served her kids on plates and served me and my sister on toilet paper. Not napkin. No, not paper plates. Not paper towel. Not napkins, but toilet tissue. Little squares of toilet tissue. That's what we ate on. So there's a difference between good care and bad care. And I bring that up to say this. God is good care. Now, when I was in college doing my own thing, trying to keep up with everybody else, I was in bad care. Because the devil will make a fool out of you because he's not good care. He's bad care. He does worse than serve you on toilet paper. The devil will get you to do stuff and then beat you up because you did it, make you feel bad because you did it, make you look stupid because you did it. But God is good care. And I'm so glad I got a good caretaker. The Bible says the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not walk. He making me to lie down beside the green pastures and the still waters. I won't say the whole chapter, but there's difference between good care and bad care. And the problem with some people, the reason why they can't sing is they're stuck in bad care. Let me, let, let me back off of just babysitters and let me talk about nursing homes. You pay all that money to put your loved one in a nursing home and some nursing homes have good care and some nursing homes have bad care. You wonder why does my loved one have sores all on one side of the body, their body. Nobody has flipped them over and rolled them over and washed them and done anything. I'm paying too much money for them to be looking like this and smelling like this. There's a difference between good care and Bad care. Now, I, I've got two cars. One's my wife's and one, one's is mine. One is a Cadillac. The other is a Traverse. But if you look on the inside of them, one is good care. 
blaming my wife, but you might find french fries and nuggets in the back. Because there's a difference between good care bad care. But I'm so glad I serve a God that's good care. That'll clean you up. That'll wash you up. That'll pick you up. That'll straighten you up. That'll love you right. That'll teach you right. That'll comfort you when you're bad. That'll, 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 that'll bless you when you're sick and when you're hurting. I know the difference between good care and bad care. And the Bible says he watches over his flock to care for them. Uh, let me pull my hat off for a second. Not just to rub my hair, but there's a difference between good care and bad care when it comes to your hair. See, Brother Tommy, when I was younger, I had some hair. But back then, everybody wanted a duke in the hair. That means, or an S-curl. You wanted your hair to look wavy and nice. But I used to let anybody put it in my hair. And that's why I don't have any hair. Because there's a difference between good care and bad care. Oh, some of y'all know the difference between a good weave and a bad weave. Yuck. There's a difference. But I'm so glad I serve a God that cares for me. That, that, that knows how to do me just right. Oh, I, I gotta get I gotta get off of this because I I'm about to say too much. My, my my church knows I'm a little bit of a clown, but I'm about to say too much. But some of y'all know your mama would burn your ear with a hot comb and and tell you stop flinching. Well, stop burning me. If you get the comb off my ear, I stop. There's a difference between good care and bad care. I'm so grateful for God's good care. Let's, let's, let's read this verse. I'm, I'm, I'm going to read this. Psalm 63 and 7. Because you are my helper. You are my good care. You are my great God. Because of your hand, I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. So the reason why I sing is he's so great. His hand is so mighty. And his care is so good. I've been married 22 years. And there's some people that have been married 22 months. Because there's a difference between good care and bad care. It, 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 it's something when you care for just right. Now, now, now I talk about my bald head, but if my wife just touched my head just right, oh man, it just does something to my marriage soul because it's something about being touched the right way. But I heard one songwriter say that he touched me and I'm no longer the same. I'm so grateful for a God that will touch you, a God that will caress you, a God that will help you, a God that will bless you. A God that will be there for you when you need him to be there for you. All right. I, I, I would, but I, I think that's just for a married couple's thing. I, I better leave that alone. Let's, let, let's go on. I'm, I'm, I'm not too far from being done, but let's, let's go to point number four. The rest of God. The rest of God. So, so we got his greatness. We got his hand. And we, ooh, we got his care. Ooh, his good care. 
But we also have the rest of God. I want you to begin to read this Psalms 95 and 8. The Lord says, don't harden your hearts as Israel did at Meribah, as they did at Massa in the wilderness. Do a little bit better than Israel did. Let's look at verse 9. For there your ancestor tested and tried my patience, even though they saw everything I did. Oh, whoa. They tested and tried his patience, even though they saw everything that he did. So even though God is great, his hand is mighty, and he cares, he don't like to be treated just any kind of way. And so he's speaking particularly of them. They tested his patience, and they tried him. And the reason why it bothered him, based on everything that he did. You, you, you ever bought your kids Christmas and by the 27th, they already complaining? It tests your patience. Because based on everything I've done, you don't know what it costs for me to do everything I did. And you got the nerve to tell me you don't want to clean your room. You wearing my patience thin. So God had a right to say that. But the problem is, I said this is about his rest. But this don't sound much about God resting. So let's, let's, or God giving us rest. So let's read some more. Verse 10, maybe it'll get a little better. For 40 years, I was angry with them. And I said, they are a people whose hearts turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. It looks like it's gotten worse. Because he's saying to them, it's, it's amazing. The beginning of the chapter talks about singing and all the reasons why we sing. But then when we get over here, it begins to talk about, I'm the kind of got tired of them. They bothered me. And he, he, he was referencing a time previous. But, but why is God bringing this up? Because this doesn't make me want to sing when I'm reminded of how messed up I've been. And it says, for 40 years, I was angry with them. So I'm a little bit confused, saints, because why would I be singing about a God that's angry? It says they refuse to do what I tell them. We're talking about disobedience. Let's, let's read some more. Let's look at verse 11. Maybe verse 11 will fix it up for us. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Now this is the end of the chapter. It don't end that good. You ever watched a movie that didn't end the way you wanted to end? Or a series? I've been watching this series for two, three years. And I don't like the ending. So when you get here in Psalms 95, he says, I was so angry, I said, they'll never enter my place of rest. He's great. His hand is mighty. He has care. But this don't seem, this don't seem too good. But guess what? I can't change the Bible. That's what the Bible says. I got to preach what the Bible says. It says that he told them in his anger, he took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. But I just told you my fourth point is that he sings or we sing because of his rest. How does this make sense? First of all, I got one scripture I got to read, and then I got a few more that I got to go to. I, I, I got one scripture that we quote all the time, but we only quote the last part of the verse. 
We don't see the first part of the verse, so let me go there. Let's go to Psalms 30 and 5. Very familiar when you get to the end of it, but I want you to see the beginning of it. Let's look at Psalms 30 and 5. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Yes, God gets angry, but compared to his favor, his anger never outpaces his favor. And read what it says. It says, weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. If you're a King James student, you would say, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. We preach that and speak that and shout over that all the time, but the first part says he gets angry, but his anger is just a moment. His favor Last for a lifetime. In other words, throughout your life, you can make God angry, but his favor will outlast his anger. And if you're in a situation where you're crying because of what you've done, I need to remind you, weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning because his favor will outrun his anger. And I'm here to let somebody know that thinks God done forgot about them and God done gave up on them and I'm so bad and I done done so wrong. I'm here to let you know his favor is on the way. His goodness is on the way. His greatness is on the way. Now, yes, he may correct you in the process, but he's so good and he's so kind and he's so loving. He won't keep you weeping forever. He won't keep you crying forever. He won't keep you broken forever. He won't keep you hurting forever. If you hold to God's unchanging hand, he'll he'll turn it around in a little while. He'll fix it up in a little while. I need you to believe God. God's not angry forever. In his favor there is life. Favor lasts a lifetime. Let's let's continue to read because here's what's interesting. We're we're, we're reading Psalms 95 because of this shirt and because of what my, my wife had put. But in the New Testament, many times the writers in the New Testament, they didn't have the Bible like we had the Bible. There was no such thing as the Bible. The Bible is compiled books. But the New Testament writers, they were privy to the Old Testament writings. And many times in the New Testament, they would quote from Old Testament writings. Jesus quoted from Deuteronomy all the time. He quoted from many things. Paul quoted from many things. But in Hebrews, people don't know exactly who wrote Hebrews. Some think it's Paul. Some think it's other people. But the Hebrew writer of Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4, they quote from Psalms 95. It's one of the few occurrences where the almost entire Psalms is requoted. And so let's look at it in the New Testament, under the new light. And the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is the cross. It's the blood of Jesus. So yes, his anger is mad for at you, but the Bible lets us know he poured all his anger on Jesus on the cross. He poured his judgment on Jesus. When the Bible says that when I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me, it's not just talking about souls. It's talking about the judgment of men. I'll draw all men's judgment unto me. So let's look at Hebrews 4, 1. Uh, I said I would read the white. I'm going to let Mother Mitchell read the, the white for me on this one. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. First of all, at the end of verse 11, it says, 
I swore they're not going to enter my rest. Not at all. Then over here, the writer says, the promise to enter into his rest, it still remains. But be careful that you don't miss out on it. So in other words, let me paraphrase it. You got a second chance. So don't play around with a second chance. See, I, I was teasing about my mom, but let me say about my mother. She, she was different from my father. My father, you only got one chance. When I said it, it better be done or something behind me is getting whooped. But my mama, even though she's from Gary, Indiana, she still had a little bit of a leeway. And But if you don't do it after the chances, she would wear you out. There's times I've, I've seen shoes flying by my ear. Oh, she's serious. She, she's serious this time. Let me do what she want me to do. Because God is so good, he'll give you chance after chance after chance after chance after chance. But don't run out of the chances. So, so the day you hear his voice, move in. So, so let's, let's continue to read. Let's look at verse 2. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us uh-huh. just as they did. Just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Oh, so the difference between the old and the new is not that the new people were better and the old people were worse. It's just the new people chose to believe. What makes me so special and the reason why I can sing is not because I'm so special, but I choose to believe God. I choose to believe he's merciful. I choose to believe he's mighty. I choose to believe he's a miracle worker and he's a way maker and he's a promise keeper. I choose to believe. The other people, they couldn't obey because they refused to believe. But I'm just crazy enough to believe God. I believe he called me out of college for such a time as this. I believe he brought me through the pandemic for such a time as this. I believe there's breath still in my body for such a time as this. So I choose to believe God. Somebody say me. Say I choose to believe God. It may be rough, but I believe God. I may be hurting, but I believe God. I may be struggling, but I believe God. You may lie on me, but I believe God. My marriage may be shaky, but I believe God. My money may be funny, but I believe God. Biden might mess up, but I believe God. Trump might mess up, but I believe God. I believe God. Why do I believe him? Because he's great. Why do I believe him? Because his hand is mighty. Why do I believe him? Because his care is so strong. Why do I believe him? Because he's God all by himself. Let's, I, I got to move us out here. Let's look at verse 3. For only we who believe can enter his rest. Oh, so it's not that he didn't want people to enter his rest. He didn't want folk enter that didn't believe. Because the Bible says you got to believe him to come to him. So continue to read. As for the others, God said, in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest, even though this rest has been ready since he made the world. Hold on. So it means even the Old Testament people could have had to rest, but they refused to believe. 
But God sent his son, born of human flesh, wrapped in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, and took him to the cross, and put him in the ground. And three days later, he got up with power in his hand. But it does no good if you don't believe. But I didn't come here to sweat and holler if you're not going to believe. You better make up in your mind, I'm going to find a way to believe. Because God's too good for me not to believe. God has been too strong for me not to believe. I choose to believe God. I plan to believe God. I fight to believe God. I struggle to believe God. I push to believe God. I press to believe God. I believe God. Now to the deliverance temple people, you heard me say this all the time. I say this for the advent of people who never heard me speak or don't hear me speak often. I've always said, I've never seen anybody use a bazooka to kill an ant. Because you don't need nothing that big to kill something that small. One of the reasons why I believe God is because the attack I go through is too great for there not to be a God. See, if God wasn't going to do anything in my life, the devil wouldn't fight me the way he fights me. And let me talk about you. If you wasn't about nothing, the devil wouldn't stay on you the way he stays on you. But the simple fact that he fights you like a king, you better act like a king. The simple fact he fights you like a queen, you better act like a queen. I believe God because there's too much hell for me not to believe God. There's too much trouble for me not to believe God. There's too much death for me not to believe God. There's too much addiction for me not to believe God. I believe God because I've got no other choice. All right. Let's look at verse 6. So God's rest is there for people to enter, but those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So the first ones, they disobeyed God. But let's not be too sedity against them. See, they disobeyed God because they didn't have a Savior. See, we disobeyed God, but it's not counted to us because we got somebody that washes us when we disobey. They didn't have a Christ to die for them. We have a Christ to die for us. And so that's why the Bible calls it good news or another word for good news is the gospel. The gospel is that God decided you wasn't good enough to do it on your own. So I'm going to come down. I'm going to do it for you and I'm going to make sure you enter into my rest. Let's look, look at verse 7. Verse 7a. So God set another time for entering his rest, and that time is today. Today. Right now. So the writer was saying, the moment you read it, that's the time to believe God. Because then you can enter into his rest. Because I sing because he's great. I sing because his hand is mighty. I sing because his care is good. But I also sing because he pushed me into his rest. I sing because he made a way for me to rest in him. I couldn't do it by myself. My sins were too great. You couldn't do it by yourself. Your sins were too great. But the cross of Jesus Christ, it fasted 
transform us into the rest of God. Today is the is the day to believe God. Today is the day to praise God. Today is the day to worship God. Today is the day to get right with God. Today is the day to love God because he did all the work. All you got to do is believe. All you got to do is believe. Now we got a picnic today, but if this was another day, and one of y'all told me, you're going to take me to Ruth Chris, and you was going to pay for my meal. You was going to pick me up, drive me there, pay for the meal, and drive me back home. What do I have to worry about? Well, I ain't got nothing to wear. You fool. They're going to do all the work for you. It's not like you got to go cook the food. All you got to do is receive. All you got to do is show up. I try to let you know in this life, all you got to do is show up. The way has already been made. The price has already been paid. All you got to do is eat. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. All the days of my life, all I got to do is believe. And the reason why we're a different kind of church, because we don't worry about how long your skirt is. We don't worry about how much you smell like dope. We don't worry about how many tattoos you have on your body. Because what we know is all you got to do is believe. Because the way has already been made. Because God is that good. He's better than Campbell's soup. He's mm, mm, good. That leads me to my final point to get us out of here. Point number five, the salvation of God. Not only do I sing because I'm happy and I sing because I'm free, but I sing because he's great. I sing because his hand is strong. I sing because his care is great. I sing because his rest is good. And all of that is made available because of the salvation of God. Another word for salvation is deliverance. And today you came to deliverance temple. And guess what? When you showed up, your temple may not have been delivered. And don't worry about it. Many of our temples are not totally delivered. But we believe if we stay long enough, if we believe long enough, if we worship God long enough, what used to be a problem won't be a problem. What used to be an issue won't be an issue. Because God saves to the utmost. Jesus saves. So moving, remember we ended in 95.11 and it closed on a bad note, but it was fixed up in Hebrew. So now we move from 95.11 to 96.1. Read 96.1. Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Hold, hold, hold on, hold, hold on. I got to get us out of here, but a lot of preachers said, hey, everybody going to hell. All them folk going to hell, but the Bible says that the whole earth can sing to the Lord. The problem is everybody is saved. They just don't know it. Yeah. 
and the folk that know it are too sadiddy to get out there and tell somebody. But I want to tell the world, you saved because God saved you. All you got to do is believe. All you got to do is receive. But the church has made it so hard. You got to jump through so many hoops. You got to do this so you can be saved. You got to give a thousand dollars so you can be saved. The devil is a lie. All you got to do is believe. And once you believe, you can sing a new song. I sing a delivered song. I sing the song of the redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say Those who've been redeemed. I only got two more verses. Verse 2. Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Verse 2. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Now come into church and just you and your friends going to heaven. No. Proclaim the goodness of the Lord from day to day. Today. Guess what? When you walk out there and God bless you to get a car, don't you hide. You tell somebody, God did it. When God bless you to get a spouse, you tell somebody, God did it. When you go on vacation, you tell somebody, God did it. And you sing a new song. I used to be messed up, but God done brought me out. I used to be crazy, but God done turned me around. I used to be lost, but now I'm found. God did it. I ain't talking about DJ Collin. I'm talking about God did it. I ain't talking about Joe. I ain't talking about Hove. I'm talking about God did it. I ain't talking about Rick Ross. I'm talking about God did it. I ain't talking about Wheezy. I'm talking about God did it. Now, some of y'all saints that ain't as safe as the rest of them, y'all know what I'm talking about. But God did it. God turned me around. God brought me out. God lifted me up. God changed my mind. God healed my body. God was the miracle worker. God was the way maker. God was the promise keeper. God was the light in the darkness. So I'm about to tell somebody. We invited you here for Family and Friends Day. Not just so that you can eat some free food and fellowship. It's so that you can hear somebody tell you the good news. The good news is God is so good. He's better than the bad you've been through. And you can receive the goodness of the Lord. Which is called the gospel. Well, pastor, I can't be as good as you. No, no, it ain't me. It's God in me. So we all have a chance to be good for God. Last verse. This is where we close. Psalms 96.3. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. Well, maybe that's why I keep writing books. Because I'm trying to publish his deeds. Everybody else is publishing that junk. They're publishing their stuff. They put anything they want on TV. They're teaching anything they want in the schools. But we try to be quiet. The devil is a lie. Let me publish. God is good. Let me publish. God is faithful. Let me publish. God is amazing. Let me publish. God will do it. God will fix it. God can bless you. God can heal you. Let me tell you the good news. God is here for you. Come on, let's stand to our feet.
these are the reasons why we sing. Not only do we sing because we're happy, we sing because we're free, and the eye is on the sparrow, so we know he watches me, but we sing because he's a great God. He's got a mighty hand. And with that mighty hand, he cares for us. And then he moves us right into his rest. And guess what? It's all because of his salvation. Let's bow our heads. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, as I shared what you gave me to share, even prompted by my wife in this t-shirt, which says we're made to worship. And the reason why we worship, the reason why we sing, because you've just been so doggone good. You're just good. Even when times are bad, you're good. Because God, many of us, we shouldn't even be here. We could be dead. Depression tried to take us out. Suicide's been in our mind. Addiction's been at our door. Divorce's been on our doorstep. We have been through it, and we come out of it, and somehow we're still here. We're like a Timex watch. We took a licking, but we kept on ticking. But God, you get the glory, and you get the praise, and you get the honor. So, Father, as we close this service, I pray that anybody under the sound of my voice that doesn't know you in the pardon of their sins or, or they're in a backslidden condition or they're in a lost, confused condition. God, let them say these words. Father God, you're too good to leave me like I've been. Come into my life. Show me this salvation. Let it be me and you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. If you believe it, shout amen. 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 amen.